Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's draft, we're going to be kind of ranking how I feel about the 2011 through 2015 drafts and then going into a little bit of the 2016 draft. I might actually be able to get through a significant portion of it because 2016 is comparatively short to a lot of the other drafts, but there are some interesting takeaways from that year just because some curious things happened that a lot of Jets fans have had very mixed reactions and feelings about over the last several seasons. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, let's kind of double back and think about how we rank the first five drafts for the Jets. So starting from worst to first, I would have to say that worst is going to be for me 2011. And 2011 is just because I think after Shifley and Lowry, the amount of pro-level talent that came out of that year really dropped off significantly. And it's not surprising. I mean, this is one of those drafts where you're just not going to get as much when you're first starting out as a new franchise and you maybe don't have all of the NHL experience in management that you'd be looking for. And I think that that's partly due to, to the fact that I think when the Jets first basically um, brought on Shovel Day off and his staff, they were more experienced with AHL matters than they were NHL stuff. And it was kind of clear that their scouts had a particular kind of player that they liked at the time. And it's, you know, you see, still see strains of that every now and then with some of their modern picks, but they've gotten way better. I think second worst would have to be 2012. These first two are going to kind of going to sit at the pile just because I think these were the first couple of years where the Jets really weren't 100% sure what they were doing. Uh, but, the, you know, even even being a really bad draft, they still got Hellebuck and Truba out of it. So you could say that they still won at least a significant portion of it. But then you look at a second round pick like Lucas Sutter and then Ryan Olsen, Jamie Phillips, and to an extent, even even Scott Kosmichuk. Most of those guys really didn't get any NHL time if they did at all. So you might wonder if they really weren't even in the AHL at all or ECHL being productive, then can you really say that they were a part of the system? In the middle of the pack, I would probably say 2014 kind of sits there. And 2014, unfortunately, gets a little bit of a knock already just because there were fewer picks. So for the Jets, they had to work even harder to secure value out of that. Unfortunately, they really didn't get a whole lot of pro-level talent beyond Nikolai Ehlers. I think that Chase DeLeo and Noje, and then maybe even CJ Cease, those guys have been productive with the Moose at various stages of their career, but obviously DeLeo is no longer here. Noje is kind of a modest defenseman, but nothing too exciting. And CJ Cease is fine enough, but, you know, obviously, again, limited upside as far as his offensive skill sets are concerned. He definitely fits a pro player at a middle six or top six AHL role, but in the NHL, I'm not sure that he really translates. It's not a horrendous draft, but I think Jack Glover not really materializing into anything notable has probably been something of a sore spot. It's not like Glover is totally lost, but I don't think that he's going to be joining the Jets anytime soon. Coming in at, I guess, number two for this uh, for this current crop, I would say 2013 sits as a pretty good, pretty stellar all-around package, in part because you had a, a top four defenseman in Josh Morrissey, 
you got a very talented player in Nicholas Patan, regardless of what happened with his actual Jets career. You got Eric Comrie, who has been all right enough. I mean, he's played some NHL games, not super well, but he has been at least a productive AHL goalie. I think, though, you have to kind of think about guys like Andrew Kopp and Tucker Pullman becoming NHL regulars. Now, of course, Pullman, I think most people understand that he does have certain limitations, and he's not exactly, like, the world's best top six defenseman. But if you give him third-pairing minutes, he does really well in those roles, and I think that that's kind of what his future tracks towards, which is fine because the Jets have always had struggles finding guys who are quality third-pairing defenseman and who can contribute at this level, but Pullman is very much equipped to do that. He's somebody that I think, you know, most people don't think twice about it if you put him in a number six role, and I think that that's where he's most suited to. And then, of course, at the top of that, you're going to have Andrew Kopp as one of your deeper picks, who's ended up becoming an instrumental part of Winnipeg's depth unit. Andrew Kopp, of course, like I said, does it all. He's a great player, and I think that he has some fringe top six upside even if the points totals aren't really there. That leaves us with uh, the most recent draft on this first five, which is going to be 2015, and and I think when you get Kyle Connor, Jack Roslovic, and Janssen Harkins in your first three picks, there's really not a whole lot that you can say uh, bad about that whole unit. I mean, that's that's an elite crop of prospects. And then you have guys like Spachek, Appleton, and Niku rounding out the bottom six or so. I mean, that's a fantastic unit. Really, you can't complain at all with any of those picks, and if Niku ends up panning out as as the kind of top four defenseman that he can be, that draft just ages even better. Of those guys, I think we're just starting to see what Janssen Harkins can be at the NHL level, and thus far it looks really good. I mean, seven points in 29 games, some people might think is kind of eh, but I think the way that he plays and how he contributed to this team says a lot more about what his potential is, and the fact that he was actually robbed of a couple of good chances. I think if you put him with much better finishers... I think Harkins is going to be a pivotal player, and he might anchor that second line down the road. Roslovic, of course, still has significant upside. I tend to think that Jack still has another gear that he's yet to show us because he's had trouble maintaining a top six role. I think Roslovic is a very talented player. I don't know what he'll be for this team long term, but I think that he does have potential to be a top six forward. I just don't know if it's going to be on the wing or down the middle. If he can be our future Matthew Perot replacement, I think that that's a really fantastic outcome. And of course, you know, you can't really argue with Kyle Connor's results. Connor, for all of his defensive issues, is one of the best natural goal scorers in the NHL. And he's put up monster numbers over the past couple of seasons. I have to think that you look at 2015 as an unqualified win. I mean, even Eric Foley, who isn't in the system anymore, and and of course had his career partially derailed by injuries, when he was taken, was a very promising prospect. There's a lot to like from this draft. I like the way that the Jets thought about the guys that they picked, and it was a very smart, very well-run affair. Winnipeg got a little bit fortunate that Boston slipped up ahead of them, but they still got a fantastic deal, and they made sure that they used the most out of their picks. Now, on to the good stuff, where we continue on with our wonderful NHL draft coverage, and this time we are starting from the bottom of the 2016 NHL entry draft, which is a little bit of an unusual draft for the Jets in comparison to like 2015 and 2014 even. 2016, I I think in in hindsight, looks a lot worse than when it actually occurred. So we'll start with uh, round number six, which is the last pick that the Jets had. And this guy that we got, I think most people are going to know as essentially the goalie version of the Birdman. It's because it's Mikhail Berdin. 
and Verdeen is a phenomenal talent. He is one of the most entertaining goalie prospects in the NHL systems for a couple of reasons. For one thing, the dude has a hilarious personality. He's very forward, very direct, and he also has a very entertaining goaltending style. He's very acrobatic and athletic, but he also has very smart positioning, and he has amazing reflexes and great reads. When he came to the Moose this year, he basically stole the whole starting net from any of the goalies that were with the Moose, including Eric Comrie. Berardine is phenomenal, and I think that what he's doing behind a, a defense that's been as porous as the Moose have over the past couple of seasons is nothing short of superb. Berardine has a high ceiling, and I feel like we're just starting to see what he can do. He's also very confident in his abilities, but it seems like he takes everything very seriously despite his fun personality. He does have a bit of a fiery temper, and I feel like he's not afraid to drop the gloves. I think he actually has fought somebody before, but I think one of the most interesting things about him is you talk about goalies who say that they're good at playing the puck, and almost all of them across the board are universally terrible. Berdeen is not the same thing. Sometimes when you watch him, he's almost like a like a third defenseman on the ice. He's very good on his skates, he has very good vision in passing, and he can make plays that most people wouldn't even attempt. He's also not afraid to use his physicality and basically check guys along the boards if he's in possession of the puck. He's a very weird goalie. You don't see many guys like him, especially in the modern era where most goalies don't even want to initiate contact. It kind of reminds me of the time that I think uh, Carey Price, was it, dumped, I think, Brad Marchand or something. You know, just kind of checked him. Or, or he also did this, I think, to, uh, what's that one guy, Chris Kreider? I think he did the same thing. He, like, kneecapped him or something. Bairdine doesn't really take any crap from anyone, and he's made it clear that his crease is his own. He'll push and shove guys out of the way and knock them down and use his tall frame to keep guys out. Bairdine's awesome, and I think that he really has a shot at stealing... Winnipeg's eventual starting role as Hellebuck starts to age out. The next guy taken before Mikhail Berdin was Jordy Stallard, a left-shooting centerman who is actually from Manitoba. Stallard never really got into Winnipeg's system, and as far as actually playing pro hockey, he's had an extremely limited career. After leaving the Prince Albert Raiders in 2018, Stallard ended up going to Acadia University, which I'm not really sure what system that is, but I think it's one of these smaller college rings or something. And then he did have a couple of games with both the Allen Americans and the Indy Fuel, but really wasn't able to stick around and produce at a level that keeps you on a pro contract. Stallard's numbers were decent enough in junior, but I wouldn't say they were particularly outstanding. I think that is his third season with Calgary, or actually his second season, sorry, it looked pretty decent. His third season, he didn't play that much and it wasn't really a whole lot to write home about, and when he got traded to Prince Albert, it, you know, okay pr production numbers, I think at that point he was probably close to being an overager, or at least one of the older kids, not really uh, a whole lot going on there. His final season with Prince Albert looked very decent, but again, he was kind of at the age where most junior players are producing at a pretty high clip, so 91 points in 72 games with his physical build and size, and probably being one of the older kids in junior, not as impressive as it sounds. And I just don't think that Stallard was able to stand out enough to earn a pro contract with the Jets and actually make the team. He's back at Acadia University, so I don't know if he's working on his degree or something, but hopefully, you know, he kind of finds his way and maybe gets a degree of some sort, maybe eventually earning a pro contract somewhere or a tryout. 
Um, he might go overseas at some point because a lot of the guys who, who struggle on this North American ice hockey circuit end up going overseas and actually doing pretty well for themselves. Speaking of guys who are playing overseas, the fourth round pick at number 97 for the Jets was Jacob Cederholm. And Cederholm is another one of those players who I think the Jets kind of saw his giant physical size and felt that he was someone to keep an eye on. They were always interested in big physical players who were, I guess, stay-at-home shut-down D. Cederholm never really had a shot at being a highly touted prospect for a couple of reasons. I think the biggest issue is he doesn't really have any sort of offensive upside whatsoever. With the uh, HVA 71 Jankoping, I mean, he basically didn't score any points whatsoever. In fact, he only had, I think, any kind of scoring record in some of the lower divisions of Swedish hockey. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of curious to know what he's going to really be doing because he did come overseas to the U.S. and he has been playing in the, in North America for the past couple seasons, both you know a couple of games with the Manitoba Moose and then kind of running around with the Jacksonville Iceman. With the Iceman, he's actually had at least a, a couple of points over the past few seasons, but again, I think he was envisioned to be a stay-at-home physical shutdown D. I think that his six foot four stature and you know almost clocking in at 215 pounds, I think people were probably thinking that he'd be a big physical strong guy on the skates to muscle and box out opposing forwards, but Cedarholm kind of has to have more of an offensive game to really fit the way that the Jets need to play, and I just don't see a scenario where he stays in North America and, and sort of carves out a long-term role with this organization. He might move to the Moose again. I don't really know. I think that he's probably best served either going back overseas uh, or trying at least to make one last training camp push because I'm just having a hard time envisioning a role where he really excels. I don't know if he's even good enough to play on a third pairing because you need at least a decent amount of foot speed and the ability to transition and move the puck. I don't know if that's the kind of player that he is. The Jets have kept him around for a couple of seasons to evaluate him, so we'll see if he is able to crack the, I guess, the lineup at some point and, and maybe even make the moose again as a regular I don't know, but he's at least doing decently enough with the Iceman, so hopefully he can prove to be of value to the Moose as well. We're nearing the top of the draft pile, which this year is going to be very exciting for a lot of Jets fans, but before we get to the first round pick that is going to make everyone happy, we're going to talk about the third round pick, number 79 overall, Luke Green. Luke is a really interesting prospect for me because we actually don't know what he is yet. Luke was a very high-performing defenseman for St. John and for the Sherbrooke Phoenix. Unfortunately, he has had, like, the worst absolute luck possible when it comes to injuries, and a lot of those injuries have prevented him from really getting a good start to his professional career. Even during the uh, major junior days, uh, Luke Green unfortunately dealt with a lot of upper body and lower body injuries. I think he even had, at one point, like a very serious concussion. It's kind of hard to get a sense of where his career trajectory is at because he hasn't really had much of a chance to establish himself at any level outside of Major Junior. He is one of those guys who I think, at this stage, he's 22, he has a significant and lengthy injury history. I don't know if he's going to end up panning out, but he has, among the, the defensemen that the Jets have drafted, some of the highest upside. I think that he's a very good and skilled puck mover, He's got very sharp offensive instincts. 
He's also on the bigger side. He's like a, a fairly tall kid, even though he's not the biggest defenseman out there. He has enough size to make physical plays and be strong on the puck while he's activating in the offensive zone. But he's also a really good skater, and I think he's got a great strong release. If you look back at some of his old St. John Sea Dogs highlights, you see a very confident skater with a sharp eye for the net, good passing, good vision, great positioning, just a really interesting prospect, and there's a reason why the Jets ended up taking a punt on him. He actually fell a good deal in the draft, and I think Winnipeg was, at the time, fortunate to nab him at 79th. I think that he is a, a great prospect, or at least was at one point before injuries kind of derailed him, and I don't know what he's going to do going forward. He hasn't really played all that many games for the Moose, and it's kind of hard to say if he'll get a whole lot of ice time in the coming years. Hopefully he does and ends up being a productive NHLer because he has a lot of skill and he can do things uh, like transitioning the puck and, and controlling the puck through all three zones that most of Winnipeg's defensemen right now can't do. He's also right-handed, and that's something that the Jets have a darth of good right-handed defensemen who are puck movers. The guy taken ahead of Luke Green is honestly going to be among Winnipeg's most controversial picks for a couple of reasons. I think the first is that Logan Stanley, taken at number 18 overall in the first round, was somebody the Jets traded up for. That was unfortunately not the best use of assets because the Jets paid for a guy that probably would have been available where they were drafting uh, before they moved up to get him. Now, Stanley is kind of an interesting guy because he's huge. He's 6'7", 242, massive, massive defenseman. So you can understand why when he was taken, a lot of folks, including myself, were immensely suspicious of what he would be at the professional level. And this is in part because when you see him skate, you understand that he is unfortunately going to be on the slower side. He's not swift. He doesn't have great agility in corners. He often does get, you know, outrun by fast, speedy, and smaller forwards. And, you know, I, I just think that he has a game style that, in a lot of ways, is a little bit conservative. And when he makes plays, he sometimes struggles with a little bit of the decision-making because, again, he has such a huge frame, and you have to map your brain to think a few steps ahead of where you're moving your body. Even just a few fractions of a second can make a big difference in whether or not your read and the execution on that read are successful. For all of the concerns, I think Stanley has actually done well enough for what was expected of him at the AHL level. He's been decently productive on the offensive side of things. He does shoot a lot, and sometimes I think that he takes maybe more empty calorie shots. I think that he does have a future as an NHLer if he can work on his skating and improve his stride. I think that that's one of the biggest challenges because his mobility is probably his single biggest weakness. I mean, you know, his his defensive IQ is not amazingly high. I mean, he's competent in the D zone and he understands where his reach should be, but I think getting him more mobile and moving faster would be the biggest improvement and help to getting him to be like a third pairing D. The pick was unfortunately bad value considering who was still on the board and who was taken after Stanley, but you know, he will probably be some kind of an NHLer. I just don't know if it's going to be much more than like a five or a six defenseman. Thankfully, that, you know, taste of, of a little bit of bitterness with the Stanley pick was mostly overpowered by the sweetness of getting at number two overall, Patrick Laine. When the draft lottery was happening, I was actually at a Caps, I think it was a playoff game against Pittsburgh or something, and I was watching the stream just waiting and hoping beyond all hope that the Jets were going to get a lotto pick because they kept announcing the order of the top 10, then the top 5, and Winnipeg wasn't getting called. 
And then we got to number three, and Winnipeg still wasn't called, and my brain just kind of went into overdrive. I didn't care if the Jets got Austin Matthews or Patrick Liney. I just wanted one of these two guys. And what we got was Patrick Liney. Now, Liney is a fascinating, fascinating player. He <laughs> he is a, a very interesting guy because, of course, he has the massive booming shot that everyone knows and fears. But he also has amazing vision, and he's got a really smart read on the game. I mean that in a way that I don't think people understand. Liney is a supremely cerebral player. I think that he sees the ice and thinks that things at a very high level because he's constantly looking to set up his teammates, especially now that his game has evolved. You know, what hasn't always been there was the defensive side, and obviously, you know, with board battles, he struggled a lot. He also didn't have great positioning, and he lost physical challenges against opposing skaters. Sometimes he was a little bit soft on the puck and turned it over. And then, you know, his, his stride, which, while not exactly rapid, he didn't have to skate as fast because he's a tall, tall dude, and he can cover a lot of ground very quickly with just a few strides. Even still, though, Line did occasionally have a few um, skating stride issues that maybe kept him from being a top-gear skater. Over the past couple of seasons, he's matured so much, and this year, his game was as complete as I've ever seen it. He is simply one of Winnipeg's best forwards or all-around you know, he's smart at setting up his line mates. Uh, he still has that venomous shot that Winnipeg actually wasn't making the most of. He displays impeccable vision, stick handling. Sometimes I think he actually looked for the pass too much, but, you know, obviously that's one of the things that the Jets have probably stressed to him. And he's also really been rounding himself out as something of a power forward. He used to struggle a lot with zone transition, but now he seems to know how to use his line mates better, and his own puck control when moving between the neutral zone and the offensive zone, has improved massively. He's like a really complete, well-rounded forward, and I think Winnipeg has something special in him. We really haven't seen the best of Patrick Laine yet. I will say that, despite the Laine pick, I think that the 2016 draft was kind of an L. I don't really care for some of the picks that they made, and I feel like, on the whole, it was just sort of mediocre. Getting Laine was game-changing, though and that will always carry a lot of weight for me. I'm very biased towards Line. I love the kid. I think that he's a fantastic player, and I think that people are starting to understand why I felt so strongly that he had another gear to give us. He's shown it this season. I think he really tried to show it last year, even though the results were absolutely miserable. He's finally getting to the stage where we're seeing results for the amount of hard work he's putting in. Even if 2016 itself was not a great draft, Patrick Liney will always be the enduring memory of that year, and I feel like we are blessed to have someone so good and so talented playing for the Jets. He is the next Finnish Flash, even if his style is totally different, and we're going to get to treasure him for a long time. Hopefully, nothing happens. Don't want to jinx it. You know, knock on wood. Let's have him as a Jet for the rest of his career. Thanks again, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode tonight. This concludes our 2016 draft coverage. We were able to get through it all in one episode. Thanks for sticking with it. Be sure to check out this weekend. We should have a couple of game-worn collector interviews, probably at least one. And uh, before you log off tonight, be sure to check out our Locked On NHL National broadcast hosted by Sarah Avampado. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!